Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. So today, part five of living with a question mark. And uh, today, um, looking at the question of, of temptation, uh, why is it, if I'm a Christian, that I still wrestle with temptation? And so we want to unpack this today because every single one of us in this building today wrestles with this issue of temptation. So we want to dig into this and understand a little bit uh, the nature of temptation. Uh, we also want to understand how we can actually effectively deal with it. Because if we don't, if we have a wrong understanding, we don't know how to deal with it, Temptation can really easily disqualify us, not because God disqualifies us, but because we disqualify ourselves. And so often, so many Christians disengage from actively serving God because there is some uh, sense of guilt or condemnation because of the temptations they face in life. And let me say, the devil loves for us to, to uh, wrestle with this issue of temptation uh, he loves for us to think that if we do battle with temptation, that we're somehow really, really bad Christians. Well, I hope that we can resolve this issue today because it doesn't matter who you are. We all have in common this issue of temptation. It's a, a wrong thinking to think that the stuff that I wrestle with, nobody else ever does. That somehow the temptations that I face are unique to me. That's wrong thinking number one. Wrong thinking number two is observing Christians who are older than me or more mature or more advanced in their uh, faith walk, uh, you kind of observe them and you think, well, you know, they've obviously got to the point in life uh, where temptation is no longer an issue. And that is faulty thinking as well. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So the temptations you face are common to man. And maybe they take on a slightly different form, but your temptations are not unique. We've got to understand as well something about temptation. That's the simple fact that temptation is an attractive thing. If temptation wasn't attractive, it wouldn't be temptation. By definition, temptation is in and of itself Attractive, So it's not ever going to be something that we're repulsed by or something we don't like. Temptation is a compulsion to do something that appeals to our human nature. It's something which is attractive. And if nobody was looking, I could get away with it and I would do it. There's a great quote that goes like this. Temptation and sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Now, here's some really good news for us today. Jesus himself wrestled with temptation. He faced that battle that is common to us. Hebrews 4 and 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Hebrews 2 and 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. 
And friends, can I say right here, it is a mistake not to take this issue of temptation to Jesus because somehow we're ashamed of it and we think God will be really embarrassed by this. It won't take God by surprise and Jesus identifies with you because he's familiar with what it is to be tempted. And he also wants to walk with you and be a source of strength for you in the temptations that you might face. Let's turn to Luke 4 and verse 1. Great story. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now, the first thing I want to talk about today is the timing of these temptations. Because we have got a very dirty devil who plays very dirty and he picks his time very, very carefully. So what was the timing for Jesus? It says in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. What does it mean he returned from the Jordan? Well, in the previous chapter, Jesus had just been baptised by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And up until that moment, Jesus had lived his life in total obscurity. He hadn't preached to anybody. He'd never performed a miracle. As far as anyone was concerned, this was just Jesus, the carpenter's son. But now he's come down to the Jordan River John the Baptist recognises him and authenticates who he is. And then as he baptises Jesus, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends upon him. And then a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father says, This is my Son, in him I am well pleased. So that's the setting. This moment had marked the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. But then immediately, Matthew 4 and 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. In other words, having been uh, authenticated, having his father say, this is my son, his ministry publicly announced, his first assignment was not to go and preach the Sermon on the Mount, His first assignment wasn't to raise Lazarus from the dead. His first assignment wasn't to feed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves and two fish. No. First assignment is to be led by the Holy Spirit 
into the desert alone for 40 days with no food in his stomach and to have the devil try his hardest to bring him unstuck. And you've got to understand this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into that situation. And it's really important for us to understand when it comes to temptation, there are two perspectives. Because Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil, God has a perspective on this. God has led him into this situation. But because it's the devil who is doing the tempting, it's the devil who is seeking to take Jesus out, to take him off course, the devil has a perspective in this as well. So both God and the devil have an agenda here. From Satan's point of view, he is out to tempt Jesus. From God's point of view, he is out to test Jesus. He is allowing a test. There's a really interesting thing here. In New Testament Greek, the word for temptation and the word for testing is actually the same word. But there's a big difference because temptation is designed to weaken. And that was the devil's intention to weaken Jesus. Whereas testing is designed to strengthen. And that was God's purpose in sending Jesus into the wilderness. From the devil's point of view, he wanted to disqualify Jesus for ministry. From God's point of view, he actually wanted to qualify him and equip him for ministry. From the devil's perspective, it was entirely negative and destructive. From God's perspective, it was entirely positive and constructive. And there's a really important principle here. Sometimes the very thing that the devil would use to destroy us, God builds us with. Can I hear an amen? And there's a lot of us here this morning and every single one of us face temptations. But perhaps for some of us this morning, there are specific temptations before you right now. And these temptations can break us or they can be the very thing that makes us. And we are tested and we are made stronger. So that's the timing of uh, the devil's temptation of Jesus. The second thing I want to look at is the nature of the temptations. Because, friends, the reality is we have a very real enemy, the devil, who is doing his best to try and trip us up and try to take us out. The devil is always looking at how he might get a foothold in your life. He is looking for your areas of vulnerability. And we must be personally aware of our own areas of vulnerability. And I encourage you to always be assessing your areas of vulnerability. I'm always doing a self-analysis uh, using the question, uh, well, the devil is trying to actively take me out. So where am I most vulnerable? And can I say that, that this is so much more than just doing a character check? What do I mean by that? Well, we often wrongly think, that the devil's temptation is always about trying to find a flaw in our character. And so we then think about our areas of vulnerability in terms of character. And then in doing an assessment of my vulnerability, if I can check off the big character boxes, then I must be doing okay. And friends, it's true. I mean, I hope that as we grow in life and as we mature in faith, that every one of us as maturing Christians 
can actually check the big character boxes. I mean, I'm fairly confident without sounding arrogant or proud or reckless that I'm not going to run off with the church offering and I'm not going to run away with my neighbor's wife. Uh, Fortunately, we don't have any neighbors, so that was an easy box to tick. But vulnerability, listen to this, has as much to do with our strengths as it does our weaknesses. And here's the thing, the nature of the temptations that the devil threw at Jesus had nothing to do with his character. Even though the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, he was without sin. He did not have a corrupt character. The devil knew that Jesus didn't have a character flaw. So what did the devil do? The devil tempted Jesus in regards to his strengths, not in regards to his weaknesses. He was tempting Jesus to exercise the power and the authority that he possessed independently of the Father's will. I hope that makes sense because there's a lesson here for each one of us. If the devil can't attack your character, he will leverage your strengths against you. Because the devil doesn't care if you believe in God. He just doesn't want your life to make a kingdom impact. He doesn't want your life to be fruitful and effective for the glory of God. And the greatest way for a Christian to become ineffective is for everything that we do in life to be done in the confidence of our own strength and our own talent and our own ability with absolutely no need for God to be involved at all. And we can become so immersed in the busyness and the activity of life and work and family that we don't actually give God room to be involved at all And this is one of the huge lessons that we learn from Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So again, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness and it says that he ate nothing during that time. In verse 2, he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them, he was hungry. That's possibly one of the greatest overstatements or understatements in Scripture. And it was at this point that the devil comes to him and says, If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. He didn't do that on the second day. He waits and he waits and he waits. And after 40 days, he recognizes right now, this is my moment. Jesus is at his most vulnerable. After 40 days, the devil came to Jesus and said, in effect, well, your father who led you by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness has obviously abandoned you. You're going to starve to death. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus, right in that moment, had to make a decision. Am I going to trust my Father who led me to provide for me even at the last minute? Or in what seems to be the absence of God and the silence of God, will I jump in and save myself and turn these stones into bread? Can I say, friends, in a similar way, many of us will face that exact same temptation. There will be things that God will lead you into and you know that God has led you into them, but then you feel, well, here I am, but I don't have the resources and I don't have the means of fulfilling what I believe God has led me to. And instead of waiting for God to bring you to the point where you are utterly and totally dependent on Him and Him alone, you will be tempted 
to jump in and to manipulate things yourself. And the devil will always offer us an alternative to the will of God. And when the devil is tempting us to be self-reliant, God is testing us. And sometimes God will take us to that 40th day so that we know that when God gives us what is right, then actually it is right. And this is how it was for Jesus. Jesus was tempted to do the right thing, but at the wrong time. So here's the picture. Jesus was not corrupt. He was without sin. Didn't have a character flaw. Which means that Jesus was not tempted in the areas of his weaknesses. Jesus was tempted in the areas of his strengths. And you and I will find as we grow and mature in God that the nature of the temptations shift in our lives from the areas of our weaknesses to the areas of our strengths. Because as we grow and mature in God, he does do a refining of our character. And over time, you will find the things that you used to wrestle with, you don't wrestle with anymore. Now for Jesus, there's absolutely nothing wrong with turning bread uh, stones into bread. A miracle provision of food would be something that actually marked his ministry. But Jesus is not going to exercise that power outside of the will and the purposes of God. The nature of the second temptation was authority. There's nothing wrong with power and authority But Jesus was not going to exercise that power outside the will and the purposes of God. Third temptation, jump off the temple and angels will protect you. Nothing wrong with God miraculously delivering from danger and we see that peppered all through Scripture. But Jesus was not going to exercise that power outside the will and the purposes of God. And here's the thing, friends, once we settle the issue, those character check boxes, we're not off the hook because our most vulnerable areas then become our strengths and the temptation is to exercise those strengths in independence of God, which means we need to guard our strengths as much as we do our weaknesses. Can I hear an amen this morning? The devil doesn't come looking for weakness in Jesus. He comes to tempt him to use his strengths in independence of the will of the Father. And he'll do the same with you and he'll do the same with me. So as I wrap this up and the team can come back, how do we then have victory over temptation? Well, how did Jesus respond to the devil? Did he reason with him? Did he sit down and say, well, let's talk this through. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I am pretty hungry right now, but I don't really need any bread. Thank you very much. There was no reasoning. His answer was consistent all the way through. Jesus answered, it is written, and then he actually goes on and quotes scripture from Deuteronomy 8. Man shall not live on bread alone. Second temptation, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on... Oh, sorry, second temptation, it is written, um, uh, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Third temptation, it says, 
And then he quotes again from Deuteronomy 6, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So each temptation, Jesus responds with scripture and friends, the word of God is yes and amen. The word of God is absolute truth. The word of God is definitive. Jesus is not offering personal opinion or reasoning through this issue. He simply upholds the standard and he just says, it is written. You know, there's a great old saying that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's why Jesus said it is written, not because there's some kind of magical power uh, in quoting scripture, but because it is written means the issue is already decided. My father has decided it and he decided even before you and I had this discussion. And it's not that quoting scripture verses somehow gives you strength because that's not the case. You will still have to battle and you'll still have to wrestle with temptation. But what quoting scripture does is this. Quoting scripture says, I align myself with the will of God. And that's why Jesus says, it is written. And then he went on to say, what is written? I align myself with the will and the purpose of God. This issue is already settled. And friends, this among a million other reasons uh, is a really good reason as to why you and I need to be people of the Word of God. Firstly, the Word of God has a cleansing power. That's absolutely true. Jesus said in John 15 and 3, you are already clean because of the Word I've spoken to you. So it has a cleansing power, but in regards to temptation, it has a preventative power as well. It actually helps us to understand how the mind and the will of God is so polar opposite to the temptations that the devil offers to us. And then we're able to say, in the face of temptation, it is written. What's my position here? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. So we have the Word of God, but then we also have the indwelling presence of Jesus Himself by His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is a source of strength and victory to us. Paul says, Ephesians 6 and 10, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Be strong in the Lord. Friends, you have the presence of Christ Himself within you and you have the Word of God to guide you. Which means when temptation comes... We can take a leaf out of Jesus' book because temptation will come. And we can just say, how does this actually line up with the Word of God? How does this line up with the will of God? It is written, man does not live on bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God. And therefore, bowing down and worshipping the devil is simply not an option. It's written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. That's how Jesus dealt with temptation. It's pretty cool. Interesting, verse 13 says, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. We're not given any clue as to when that opportune time was, but you can be absolutely certain the devil was back. And for each and every one of us, the devil will be relentless. And if he can't tempt us over our weaknesses to do what's wrong, 
He will tempt us in our strengths to do what might be right, but to do it in our strength, in independence of God. Now, let me say, in both cases, the devil wins. So let me finish where we started, Hebrews 4 and 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Hebrews 2 and 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, Jesus is able to help you with this ongoing struggle. As we look to him, as we trust him, and as we draw on the same resources that he drew on, we can overcome. Reading from 1 Peter 5 and 8 from the message. Keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Who can say an amen to that? Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person here this morning. And and Lord, you know all the battles and all the temptations that we face. Thank you, God, that your word tells us that God is faithful and will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. I thank you, God, that you use everything in our lives to grow us up, even temptation. And I thank you that you use temptations in our life as a test. And not only that, you give us every resource we need to pass that test. And I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the strength, even when you take us up to that 40th hour, to trust you, to wait upon you, to wait upon your timing, to wait for your purpose. And I pray that when we face temptation, even this week, that we will be men and women who know how to be strong in the Lord, strong in His mighty power, and to have your word dwelling in our hearts. Your word that keeps our way pure. God, we need your strength to walk as your people in this world today. May that strength live in us through your word, by your spirit, for your glory and for our benefit. In Jesus' name.